welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Demi and I'm joined by Manny and Justin. Before we kick it off, I have a kickoff question for you both. <laughs> it's kind of a, I mean, I don't know if I'll call it a joke, but the question is, who is winning the tournament, the Euros tournament, and why is it not England? Manny, <laughs> I got to start with you. This is this is Manny's question. It has to be. <laughs> I'm gonna let Justin answer though. Yeah, this is this is definitely a Manny-inspired question. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say so. A lot happened since we last recorded. We got only eight teams left. Some big names dropping out. Biggest one of all, obviously, being France. And while we our other favorite, I think our collective favorites were either France or Belgium with Italy as an outsider. Um, Belgium now has injury troubles, so I can't say them in good faith. And that kind of leaves for me. Um, so can I not say England? Because I want to say England, if I'm honest. <laughs> say England if you feel like. Uh, I Wait, really? just by terms just because of path to the final i'm just gonna play in terms of like the the number of chances they have to screw it up are getting like lower and lower <laughs> they basically they, they they have a clear path to the final we it would appear at least so i'm wow. gonna say i'm gonna say england and then this is of I'm course shocked. now you'll see on saturday this is the game that they're gonna finally fall apart like we've been like we've been predicting but i'm gonna against, say england against a 10-man ukraine team yes something like that <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Manny, I'm not going to even ask you that question because I, I think I know you, you, you don't rate England. I, I do not rate England. And just like Shocker. Justin said, and just like Justin said, there's, I don't know what kind of voodoo, what kind of, you know, sage incense thing waistcoat has, has done, what you know, to get everything to line up because all their games have been at home. They haven't had to travel anywhere to go and and play. They are the most, probably the most rested team at this point in time. Uh, They've rotated heavily, but that's not by, uh, that's not, you know, by, I guess, by default. It's something that I think Southgate has demonstrated. He doesn't know what he's doing. If they can't win it by hook or by crook at this moment in time, I I don't know what, what, what's going to happen. So so you're, giving, I, you're giving all the reasons why they will win it then. No, no, no. This is what's going to happen. They're going to make it to the final, but they're going to oh. lose in the final. Okay. No. So that's no, what no I'm going to say. And they're going to end up losing to one Italia team. Okay. No and then way. Jorginho right. is going to be considered oh, for the Ballon d'Or. You heard it here first. <laughs> first it was Conte. Now it's Jorginho. Let's, let's keep moving hey, around. Okay. Hey. All right, well, so I think today we're going to talk most, mostly about the U.S. quarterfinals. And, of course, the Cup America quarterfinals also lines up well with the Euros. And, of course, we have to talk about Messi uh, with his situation. Rumor is that he's about to sign with Real Salt Lake City. Um, should, be, should, be, should be a great signing. I, I don't know if you all saw the, the, the Twitter post that they, that they, um, that they had. Um, but it, it, everyone's having a, a laugh, uh, basically. Uh, but let's start with Euros, uh, and we have to start with England. Um, Ukraine plays England on Saturday. I think, like, to your point, uh, Manny and, and, and Justin, England have been playing, they've been playing at home, but now they have to play 
at the Stadio Olimpico in uh, Rome. So maybe this is a different case. I don't know. But let's talk about just how England's last game went. And, I mean, we have to give them credit. They beat England 2-0, Hurricane on the scoreline. Sterling can't stop scoring. I mean, they were just good, right? Or was it just Germany was bad? Uh, well, they, they beat Germany, yeah, 2-0. And they were not great. I was saying to you two before the show that... Who's they? Who's they? Who, England. Who great? England. England, well, I suppose like, if England were not great, then you would have to say the same for the teams that lost, which was Germany. But let's talk about the winners first. I said to you two before the show that watching England is exhausting to me. Everything they do on the pitch looks so laborious, especially on offense, especially in terms of building the attack. It just looks like so much effort. It's almost like they have, we could talk about Southgate's tactics, but like Southgate has some, you know, some rudimentary strategies or tactics offensively or moving the ball forward that he wants them to play. And it looks like they just like, there's always like half a second more where they're trying to think, okay, what am I supposed to do? What, who's supposed to be where? And it just it takes them forever to build an attack. But that being said, their defense in this tournament has been great. It's been, I think, the best defense perhaps in this tournament. And when you keep clean sheets, all you need is one goal, or in this case, one goal, and then a, kind of a, a bonus goal towards the end. And that's enough to carry you on to the next round. All right, so I just came up with this right now. I think what we need to do is actually, I think a lot of the complaints we've heard from England fans and from the media is the starting lineup of England is so weird when you have people like Jack Grealish on the, in, the, in the bench. You have people like Ben White on the bench. That's a joke, by the way. Uh, we have people like Mason Mount and Phil Foden in the um, in the bench and Rich James in the bench. Let's Let's go through the lineup of England. And I think we have to go through from the back line, and then I would love to hear your thoughts on if these players should be even on the field or they should be on the bench, right? So I think we can all agree. Let's start with the goalkeeper. We can all agree that Pickford is undisputed number one, correct? So let, let's just move on. I'm not even going to even have you both answer this question. But let's start with the back line. I think maybe this is where we need to figure out if England needs to play a four in the back but, or a three in the back. But I think they're well suited for a three in the back. So let's keep it as a three in the back. But let's start with the, the first player, Kyle Walker. Does anyone have any problem with Kyle Walker in the, in the squad, in the first 11? Well, I think before you get to that point, you have to ex- explain or see what state, what setup lineup you're going to go with is it going to be three at the back is it going to be four at well, the back i well, think let's... i think we can't choose we can't choose we know that we we know he's going to play through in the back we, <laughs> we know that so we so we have to go that route and and even with this formation he can still do much better with the lineup correct not if right? he's throwing not if he's throwing uh two two holding mids instead of just playing one back there and you know, just wasting an extra space and not putting, you know, uh, not accommodating a creative player like a Grealish well, or a Sancho. Yeah, and also I want to say something like they, England has played four at the back in this tournament. So I don't know what, I don't think you can say what you're going to get. The only thing I think that is a constant for England at this point is you're going to have Harry Kane up top. You're going to have the two holding midfielders, Phillips and Rice. 
And then you're going to have Sterling, because apparently he's the only one who can score a goal. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> and with a strike of thunder, they, that, that was a sign that Sterling is going to win player of the tournament, perhaps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> an act of God. But uh, as I spoke his name. But or, or so maybe, th- besides that, what, and what you, what you were saying was blasphemous and you were just insulted. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. But um, uh, aside from that, like, so like I said, so, but uh, Bori, to go back to, I know we want to talk about the back line. I I don't have a problem with Kyle Walker starting. I guess like who cares? Well, that's well, like the he, he, he has the thing. He has the thing. We know he, we have we have too many fullbacks, right? So maybe he's trying to play oh, yeah. that. I mean that Definitely. that is the problem. But whether three in the back or four in the back, we still have to construct what the back defense is. And my question to you: We have Kyle Walker, we have John Stones, we have Harry Mag- Harry Maguire. Don't forget. In, in the back line, we also have Connor Cody and I guess I mean really that's not okay. I, I don't even want to mention. I'm sorry. Ben White. I think I think I think we are in the same same page when I say Kyle Walker, Stones, and Harry Maguire are are the perfect starters for the back line in a three man defense. Correct or not? Is that is that is that fair to say? Would you would you put Tyra Mings? In instead of Kyle Walker, is that one in a three at the back? In a three yes. at the back, yes. I'd go with Mings as like Tyron the right. Consistent. Why? 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 Why Tyron Mings? Uh, because exactly. what does it bring different? I mean, it, uh, uh, Kyle Walker is faster than Tyron Mings, so you need that pace, right? And that's probably why the defense is so good because yes, not but physical. yes, but aerially, Tyron Mings is literally pun intended head and shoulders above Kyle Walker. Are you talking from an attack point of view or from a defense point of view? I'm talking about a on a defense, and uh, Tyrone Mings has actually scored a few goals uh, in the EPL as well on corners. So I'm talking about set pieces. If okay. you need if you need speed, which is what you're saying, Kyle Walker, that's all he has pretty much. You have speed and a better defender and someone like Reese James, for example, or even like. If you want more but offensive, I don't think Reese James is, is a third center back, is he? Yeah. He, I don't think he, he's, he's a third center he, back. Well, I mean, he can play in that in that position too. But has he played that for Chelsea? Uh, has Chelsea ever even played in the back? Like, I, I would be skeptical if he if he if he has to do that because I know Kyle has, has definitely played. He has played uh, in the three and then the four system for Chelsea. Yeah. And 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 how many goals did Chelsea concede in, in those games? Zero. <laughs> no, yeah, no, right. I'm, no okay. I'm, I'm being, I'm being serious. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't played. Now the sample size is is limited. I think he's only ha- played like a handful of games, um, and I think like one or two he started, which was actually in the Champions League. Um, but again, um, it, you know that's that's something that with with uh, with Southgate, I think you know we've come to expect the unexpected with him. So I would say like uh, a Kyle Walker at left back and like a Ben Chilwell at like right back, of course. <laughs> just inverted, and, you know. Yeah, sadly there's no Ben Chilwell, but okay, let, let's move they on. Should play, they should play. They should play Ben other... White. They should play Ben White as the third <laughs> center no, back no, on the right. No, yeah, that's that's his home. He's a very good as a right back and as a right center back. I know this. I'm an Arsenal fan. I've been watching. Uh, all the highlights of this guy who I didn't really know anything about as of like uh, three weeks ago, but he, right. look, he, he, he he's very dynamic. He can play in that role. 
Let's move on. I'm, Fifty I'm million pound rated Ben White. Yeah, I, I cannot believe I'm even talking about Ben White right now. Yeah, um, Ben White should play John, there. John Stones, John Stones, and Harry Maguire. I, I, do we have any problems with them? I think I, no. I think I agree with John Stones. Harry Maguire. Uh, you know, I don't know if I. You know, I have different feelings about him, but I think probably compared to everybody else, I think he's probably the best to be in that position. So I read a really interesting analysis. I think it was on the Athletic that was making the point that the. The whole reason why they play three at the back is because of Harry Maguire. That basically because of Harry Maguire's like the time he needs to take on the ball sometimes, that that's why they play three at the back in the first place, was yeah. that to get him into the lineup. Because Southgate doesn't feel confident that doing a four at the back system with him as one of the center backs and they want him to be on the field. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe from a leadership position uh, point of view or because I'm, I'm wondering why Got that a big is. head. Got a big head. Well, I mean, that that's interesting, too, because um, he was injured, like, up until a few games ago, right? right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, I guess if he's remotely, I guess, confident that he's over the injury or he's healthy enough, he's going to get him in there. I'm just interested to see now, based on what you just said, Justin, what would happen if he were to re-aggravate the injury? or re-injure himself. What would that then mean time, for time, time it, it, No, but, but I mean would that just would that just completely throw out oh, Southgate's the formation? Exactly right. and then you know then we have a chance to see like Grealish start or Jaden Sancho start or I don't know. At, le- at, at the Who knows? Left back. Crazy you never thought. know. That's true. Crazy that is true. here. Maybe just one holding mid. Just one. Maybe just one. Right. Who knows? Right. I think I think this is what the bulk of the problem is, and probably the front front lines. But let's move on to the the midfield. Seems like this is where uh, the bulk is. Let's start with the left wing back. So Luke Shaw has been playing left wing back. I would I would assume there's no one else that can play better than he. I mean, he had such a phenomenal season last season. So I don't see anyone in the roster that is a better fit in that role than than he is. I, I, I'm guessing if okay. you want to no, I don't think so. Unless they wanted to play uh you know, transitioning into a more offensive, like you know, bring that player even further forward and they want then get that you could get an extra attacker on the field would be if you played Sokka in that position. And then you put then you could bring on like Grealish or um, you know, uh ninety million ninety pound million pound man Jaden Sancho even. Yeah. You could you could be able to put them into the lineup. I don't know what Saka is doing on that team, to be honest. Um, but let's let's move on to right wing back. He's player of the game. He's player of the game in their last group stage. Let's move on to right right wing back. Right wing back, real quick before before Justin kills me. Um, I think this is uh, probably a controversial part, and I know Justin is going to have his feelings and emotions in this in this right wing back. But is Kieran Trippier not the best right wing back right now that they have on the roster? No, out of the, out of the five or six they brought with them. Sure. <laughs> However many, uh, how many right backs did they bring? I guess uh, in the right wing back, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, maybe I'll take the words out of Manny's mouth. You could play Reese James there, but I think that he's, I don't have any problem with, with his selection. I think he's, it's a good selection. I, I also I have think, a, I think I have it's a problem safest, with this. I think it's the safest uh, selection in my opinion. No, I disagree. I have a problem with this because also, if you've noticed on set pieces, He's the one that takes uh, – right. he's supposed to be, like, the set-piece specialist. Right. Awful 
every set PC's taking. Ronaldo is Ronaldo just had what was like his first shot on on the set piece in in like how many set pieces? I mean, you can't you can't like for, what does that mean for for country for country? Oh. Okay. For yeah. Country. Right. I've seen Trippier like in La Liga, man, and he does. I mean, obviously in La Liga, he's not the one taking them. And Atletico Madrid, it's someone like Coque, for example, that takes him for that team. But come on, you can't tell me that after like the third time, fourth time of Trippier taking a free kick and it going straight to the first man in that wall, on the opposing wall, you're not going to get someone else and say, hey, listen, like, maybe, maybe I'll take this one. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's my problem with Trippier is I, I don't know if he's just like by de facto, uh, if you know if it's like uh from an angle where like uh, a right-footed player would take the shot if if Southgate has given him like free reign and he's like yeah I want Kieran Trippier taking it and maybe that might influence his decision of being on the field you know so, right right th- but that's right. what I've seen because every single free kick that England has been awarded Kieran Trippier is the one that's taking them if it's of course but yeah. but free kicks are not you know that's what five three four five free kicks free kicks a game. But let's talk about in, from a defensive point of view and also from a you know supporting the attack, getting in those crosses. Is Rhys James a better defender in that position? Like that's what I wanna I wanna understand. I I, I yeah. You, you I would say answer that. I would say yes, he's better. Um, we saw that. In the in the Champions League, we've seen him oh. when he played against. No, you asked me a question. He, uh, he the Champions he, League. <laughs> he had Sterling, who you said is England's best player, in his pocket. This this. Okay, in that in in the final. In the oh, final, every time okay, they sure, met, and then sure, before that sure. it was uh, and before that it was uh, Benjamin Mendy. And, oh God. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, you're asking me, right? <clears throat> I'm saying, but the the truth of the matter is, I think at this point, whatever player hasn't played for England is not going to play from here on out. Um, I, I, I honestly don't. I, I, think I think you're doubting waistcoat. I think you're doubting him. Oh, that's true. Pull, that is true. You can pull anything from a hat. You that, don't know. No, I, I, yeah, I take back that. <laughs> <And then laughs> we, okay, okay, who are your front three then? We know who Wait, the front three happened. But but the, the two hold the midfielders. That's the I they will never change. They'll never <laughs> change. Never even change. though All right. even though it should who, just who be play, Phillips. Calvin who Phillips. He only has the I mean those are his only two options. That's why they're playing, is because who else is he gonna play in a holding midfield role? Well, well the question is, does he need two hold holding midfielders? No. Somebody more attacking. It seems to be pretty critical to the way they want to play, but I mean you could argue they should play differently which i, I think say, is fair i would say go four one four one is what i would do got it okay that makes sense all right let's front three um in the last game saka kane sterling started i think i mean obviously i think everyone is probably on the same page about kane he's he if i were to build a five side i'll have Kane on my team that's how i'll say it. like he's been horrible but he is the point man, and you just have to have him because you could have half a chance, and he can convert that half a chance. Yeah, man, yes, you're shaking your head. What what is the problem with that? He scored one goal. Okay, sure. He scored sure one goal that was 
barely onside. I mean, but like the smallest of margins. He's been off the entire tournament. And the more I've seen it, I mean, obviously he's Harry Kane. He's sorry, Ari Kane. And he's the face of the team and he's the captain. And I don't know if um, what's going on at his club level, you know, with the contract, with, you know, the, the, the debacle that is trying to hire a manager, although they finally got one. I don't know right. if we'll, we'll bring it up, but they finally got one. I don't know if that's weighing on him as well. Kind of like all these rumors about City uh, uh, allegedly bidding, you know, over 120 million pounds for him. If that's taking a toll on him as well, because he does not look like the player that, uh, you know, with the season that he just had with like double digit goals and assists. Uh, he okay. just looks completely off, man. Like, let let me paint a different picture for you. If we had Sterling not starting and Saka not, Saka not starting, and it was Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho, do you think he would have scored more goals? Yes. Okay. So maybe 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 let's move on to those two other players and figure out. And I'm sorry, Justin, you may be pissed here. And I want you you to realize also I have a beef with Saka because he could have played for Nigeria, but he decided to play for England. <laughs> and somehow. He's getting into this team when you have Jaden Sancho and Grealish. I mean, granted, they don't play the same wing. Hey, but hey, J- Justin, really quick. For once, he didn't say Saka was about to come to AC Milan, but he turned us down. So yeah, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I, I thought, thought he was going to say. That's exactly where I thought he was going to. <laughs> we, don't want him Saka. we don't want him in, in AC Milan. But to be honest, and, and let's be real here, is Saka the perfect? I mean, I can understand a right wing back. I don't understand right wing for Saka. Um, I mean, he's played in a right wing position for Arsenal. So let's look at the players who have who've, who've been in there. And that won't happen. What, what he did, he did really, he did well. I don't know, he did well. But then, but the okay. So let's look at the options here. It's he, throughout this tournament, um, Southgate has played Saka. He's played um, Grealish. And has, Grealish actually hasn't played on the wing. I don't think, but he has played. Uh, Phil Foden also in that position. He has not played, as far as I know, Jaden Sancho. Um, and I don't. I think Realish played through the center, although they 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 were doing a lot of switching. You know, like him, Sterling, and Saka were doing a lot of switching in that game. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I mean, so who who is your ideal right wing? Who's my ideal right wing? Yeah, for this England. Team? For England. Yeah. I think Phil Foden is much, much a, a, a better attacker than, and, and he's grilled under Pep. Phil Foden knows how to handle the ball. Like I'll just put it that way. Saka is more hardworking. Maybe not. Saka is for running back, and that's why I think he's more suited to a right wing back role. But you have Trippier there, and you have Reese James, so it's a tough, tough. No, uh, Saka doesn't play right wing back. But that's he could play on the left wing back. But th- I, well, how, I so okay, how that's a good that point then. I can see season, that. I can see last season. Huh? No, he didn't play last right season. Wing back. I felt like he mostly played played right back or right wing back. No, no, he played on the left side. But uh, I see your point though. Like dropping him further back and then putting Phil Foden in right wing. I can see that making sense again. But like we're all saying basically like southgate should have totally different tactics like it for the what he's trying to the system he's trying to run which is 
it's a maybe it's a mystery box to us what that system actually is but he he for whatever reason doesn't see having a more attacking player he wants to have less attacking players on the field basically it's it's kind of right. curious to me also but it's it has we can't say it also hasn't worked for them right. but but it's so, also the competition that they face though Germany I mean Germany looked like they were back at Ger- stretches of this tournament. Germany looked like they were playing with ten men out there with Timo Werner, and I can, and I know about Timo Werner. Oh boy, being a Chelsea fan, so they were already at an advantage when that lineup came out. I was like, all right, there's there's ten right there, and and let's right. not get in the Thomas Mueller miss, the 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 one on one miss. It's which the pitch, the pitch was bad. Okay. <laughs> it, because it bounced. I don't know if you saw it. Like, if I feel like the pitch like moved it up or something. It was so weird. I because, don't know, man. But would yeah. you have, if you had told me that uh, Mueller was going to miss a one-on-one with, if you look at the angle too behind, there's a there's a great um, uh, image out there that uh, where um, Pickford actually comes out and closed the entire like left side of his goal. Like he went and closed the angle, it was completely open the entire right side at which Mueller shot, and the fact that it wasn't even on target. Like I think, let me tell you something. They've been watching Timo Werner's tape. I think that's <laughs> where it is. <laughs> He's been watching Timo Werner's tape. But <clears throat> last but not least, I want to talk about the last man standing. That's Sterling. Sterling has caught three three goals out of the four goals that England has has. Has scored in this tournament, but Manny, I, I I think you're saying that he's still not the best man for that position, or shouldn't have a starting spot in that in that England team. No, and and I think so. Here's the thing: the way that they've been playing, right? And you keep saying yes, he scored three goals, and it's hard to argue with that. But I mean, Emil Forsberg scored three goals too. You know what I mean? Uh, I your mean, boy, your he was boy, great. This your, your boy Martin Brathway has scored goals too. You know what does that say about him? What hey, I'm he's to, good, what, man. What I'm, what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at is, I I do think that he plays differently. Um, I think he plays better when in a false nine system, and the reason why I say that is because that's what they've been used to playing at Manchester City is a false nine because they don't have. Like with Aguero this past season, uh, Jesus is not a true true nine, and Aguero played very very limited because of the injuries. And I think a false nine system is actually something that I think this England team would benefit from. Um, but again, I think that would make too much sense, and that would mean well, that someone like a misfiring Harry Kane, who is completely yeah. off his game, you cannot exactly. argue that. Like. If it wasn't for that goal, right, that he scored, like I said, which was fractionally, like marginally onside, you would have said he was probably one of the worst players on the pitch that game. But that goal changed everything as far as like, you know, because that, that's what counts at the end of the day, right? But for up to that point, he was completely invisible. He was irrelevant on the pitch. All right, right. Um, that that's a great point. Thank you, Manny. Uh, I think we've talked too much, England. But obviously, before we we cut it off here, um, are we giving Ukraine a chance on Saturday against England? 
Well, let's start talking. About. Let's go through Ukraine's best 11, uh, starting at the back. The goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say we don't this have gonna, time for This is going to be a, a nine-hour episode. Yeah. Well, also, also, just thinking about it, I mean, we have Zizchenko, who, by the way, scored a goal and the last game. My boy Malinovsky killing me, basically. He's not doing much. Yamolenko, um... Yo, Yarmolenko, I don't he's know. great. Yarmolenko I, I, I don't is... know. He feels like he's, like, tired. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Yarmolenko is but, getting is too old, man. I think it's taking a toll. Yeah, the, uh, it, it is. He was, like, it dead is. out I, there. Yeah, it, it basically was. He was struggling, and I felt the struggle. But apart from that, like, every Ukraine has done very well defensively. I mean, they, they've. I think they've not conceded, conceded that many goals, I think. Except one game where they probably considered like two goals or something, but um, Ukraine has done very well, I think, in my opinion. This oh uh, against um, was it Netherlands that they considered three goals? Actually, I can't remember. But yeah, it was Ukraine. They've they've done very well. You know, I think they've done very well, especially you know they were lucky to to get through to the to the round of sixteen. They they eventually made it through to the quarterfinals. I, I don't know. I I smell an upset here. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just I just feel like Ukraine may sit back, and we know England doesn't score, so I sense a penalty shootout. That that's basically what I'm trying to say. And I don't know who's going to win that, but I think it's going to go into penalty shootouts, or or Ukraine has a a one zero thing, and and they just sit back and defend all the way. So, any, any any thoughts about that? Yes, um, I'll go first. I think. So after the Switzerland-France game, which we're about to get to shortly, I think I could see it's quite possible that Ukraine could do an upset. I think the one thing that we haven't seen from England is the fact that um, they haven't had to play from like coming from behind, right? So they haven't had to to be in that position where they're, oh, shoot, we need to score, we need to up the tempo. So it will be interesting because uh, watching Ukraine, they do – they are very organized, actually. They, they uh, like uh, Shevchenko has actually done a a really good job of of drilling this team, like the basics and um, watching them on defense. They they've been doing a good job. Um, they're very disciplined. So it will be interesting to see if they somehow manage to score and get ahead of England. How England will react to a like upping the tempo because to Justin's point there were times where they just completely like the players didn't even know where to move, where to go, what space to take, what to do off the ball, on the ball. Like they just look clueless out there. Um, and second playing against a low block team, because it'll, it'll, I think it'll depend on the players that are on the pitch. As we've seen the most creative players for Southgate are usually on the bench to, to begin with. So. Yeah, I, I think I thought you were joking about saying all these things you were saying, but I think if they are trailing like a goal, I think that's when he brings in Jaden Sancho and, and Grealish. I, I mean, I think that's what he's going to do, which is going to be a weird thing to do because you could just start them from the beginning. But who knows what he's going to do? Wrong. Um, what he's going to do is going to he's going to bring up all the right backs. All the fullbacks. That's what he's going to do. He's gonna... right. All that. Yeah, and and then one of them play keeper. Uh, let, let's move on to Denmark and Czech Republic. Okay. I think, you uh, got. I I have to correct some slander that was just said about uh, Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko had a gorgeous assist to set up uh, Ukraine's first goal versus Sweden. So put some respect on old man Yarmolenko. 
He still has it. It was maybe not the maybe not the the lungs or the legs, but he still got some sweet technical skills. No, I'm just saying he looked tired. You know, he looked tired. No, he, you know, he, it was, was, he was definitely like, God, please don't let this go to penalties. <laughs> yeah, basically. I feel like, I feel like, um, you could tell in his face he was just like dying. I was like, oh my gosh, He's, they need him. Um, so so let, let's move on to to Czech Republic and Denmark. I think Czech Republic did very well. They they beat Netherlands 2-0. I think I didn't see that coming. If I'm being honest. Um, Netherlands also had that hand of the reverse hand of God where, you know, delete for some reason thought it would be a great idea to stop the ball with his hand. Um, I just, you know, also a very Cinderella story. I mean, awesome stuff going on in Denmark. They have scored nine goals, I believe, right? In in two games. Isn't that correct? Is it nine goals or something like that? Or eight goals, which is incredible, right? Because I remember we said on this podcast and all of us i think are, are a you know uh, are you know we're responsible for this but we said they're not going to score much because we don't know where the goals are going to come from or the assists are going to come from but somehow they're scoring many sorry go ahead no no you're right you're completely right they've actually scored nine goals which is an insane absurd amount only second to spain which has scored 10 goals in the same amount of time so. right right so I think this is going to be a very interesting game. Two games, two teams where we're not sure what's going to happen. But if I were to put my money, I'm going towards Denmark, mainly because I think they have a very solid defense, right? Um, as long as Kai is is is, is uh, he's not injured, but I think they're going to score, right? They're going to score. They have to score, right? I see. I see Justin. You're nodding. I, I mean, you must be agreeing with me if you're not in your head. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, sure. I'm picking up, and I'm going to run with it. I think that Denmark will actually, yeah, I, I agree with you. They're going to score. They're going to advance. I think Czech Republic has had a sneaky good tournament. So, right. at this, but Denmark was our dark horse. We thought they, we counted them down and out when Christian Eriksen had his uh, medical emergency and was out for the tournament. But they have rallied, and they have come alive offensively, especially. Like you said, uh, eight goals in two matches, nine goals overall in the tournament. So I don't think there's any stopping them for uh, the Czech Republic. I, th- I think they, well, st- they, they got one more. They got a- at least one more round in them, and then we'll see. You know, I think it, it, it's nine nine goals in the last two games, and I think probably eleven mm. in the whole tournament. No. Yeah, it was but, not, it was nine because they put uh, four past Wales and then five previously. No, four past Russia and four past oh, four Wales. Oh, four past Russia. Yeah, that's what it was. And then one one in match day too. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. Nine goals total. Okay, but real quick, so I'm gonna have a hot take here. I think Denmark is going to the final. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win it, but I think they're going to the final. And that's my hot take. But let's 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 bring it back to the current game, to the Czech Republic uh, game. Who goes through? I think I already answered. My question. Who goes yeah. through? I answered as well. So, Manny, what do you think? I think it's it's Denmark, man. I the 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 further they're in the tournament, the harder it is to count them out. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the next game then. I think that's the Switzerland Spain. Uh, like Manny said, Spain has played has scored ten goals in the last two games. 
which <laughs> we don't know where that came from, given what they played in the semi uh, in, in the group stage, and including including a goal by who by who Manny who scored a goal in their last match. God, you're gonna oh. make me say it, aren't you? Uh, a good one too. Nice, Simon. Alvaro, Alvaro, I miss all the tap-ins, Morata, but I score, I score worldies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was actually very good for for Juventus last season. So, I I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, I think I've been hearing there's a lot of um, threats against his family, which is really sad that that's going on. And he's still playing through that. So kudos to him. I mean, I don't I don't think he's a good striker. I think he's a good second striker, but. You know, he's uh, Timo Werner on, on, on steroids, basically. I mean, I, I would think that. But sp- you cannot discount Spain in this whole tournament because of the way that they can hold the ball and, and keep possession. And it's making me wonder if they are going to be somebody that we're not really talking about and they will just ha- end up in the final. I could see that. I mean... So they are going up against Switzerland. Um, and then just, Spain and Belgium. Right. Oh, sorry. And then again, In Italy and Belgium. Belgium. Right. Um, Spain. Well, actually, they both went on. They, they both played uh, extra time. Right? right. Actually, so I was thinking as far as like resting and having time to recover. Um, they... They should be rested about the same amount with the difference that Switzerland had to go to penalty kicks. Um, but to your point, Bori, I think it was also interesting because Luis Enrique has changed up the lineup once again in this last game um, against Croatia. He went with like completely different players um, that we hadn't seen before, like Espilicueta. Um, he left like the likes of Rodri and uh, Thiago on the bench, which had started previously in the group stages or, you know, in the in the, in the first two matches. Um, so I think he's just trying to figure out what the lineup is. Kudos to him for sticking with Murata, man, because we saw some horrible misses against in the games against Sweden, for example. Like, we saw at least two tap-ins that were completely botched by him. He, you know, going back, I think there's a stat out there that if Murata had scored... Um, half of his chances, Spain would have ended in first place easily, would have won yeah. that group. What's Murata's yeah, XG, I wonder? Like, I haven't even looked. It must be something absurd compared to that, like his one goal that he's actually scored. It's probably close to, like, double digits, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that I guess that that's a, you know, it, you know, XG is one statistic of many, and you can argue its merits, but this Spain team can create chances. And now... In addition to creating the chances, uh, they're scoring goals. Like I said, 10, 10 and 2. Um, can we give a quick shout-out to uh, Pedri's own goal against Croatia? <laughs> that, was, that, that was hilarious. Can we, can we, get, can we give a shout-out to, to the own goals, period? Yeah. Because I don't recall the last time I watched a, a tournament of any kind where there was this many goals, not even when I was, like, playing in, like, the, you know, like, the U12s, for example, like on like Saturday and Sunday mornings. Even the my U6 travel team was probably better. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, for, like so. Just a quick stat out there: there have been nine own goals in this tournament, and yeah. count and counting. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have like a few more still left 
um, with the games that are left. So, like, that that's crazy if you think about it. Just own goals, uh, keeper errors, for example, as well. It's been a crazy tournament. It's been it's been a long season. These these guys are tired out there. His mistakes are being made. Um, right, right. Do you have anything to say about Switzerland? And I was just going to ask that. We got to talk about their their match against who we had in our. I think I don't know what our split was, but we definitely at least one of us was thinking France had to be the favorites for the tournament, which I think that was not a controversial pick. That was the consensus I think for most pundits. But uh, that was not meant to be. Switzerland showed up. I think Manny has some thoughts about the France team as well and how they kind of did themselves in. But I think you got to give huge props to Switzerland. They looked really impressive to me, at least when they played France and in general uh, this tournament. I don't know. I, I they think did. France, I, I think France. I think Mbappe uh, had a few chances that I think he should have scored during the game, and it will be a different story in my opinion. I obviously like. I'm not discounting them. I'm just saying that France really was the bad team here versus like Switzerland being a good team. If I were to like pick, in my opinion, that's my. They opinion. got heart. They keep running and they got heart. Two mm. goals in the last ten minutes. And I, I think and I think they're done. And I think they're done because of that because they can't do that against Spain because Spain will because the way the way. France plays versus the way Spain plays. It's totally different. You, if you play yeah. that high pace kind of game with Spain, they're going to tire you out. And so, like, that's not going to last. But also the fact that Switzerland went to to uh, extra time, uh, for me, I think Spain has a way to conserve their – they know how to conserve their own energy because all they do is just pass left and right. So I would say Switzerland – Maybe and I'm, 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 I may be wrong for this, but they may have shut themselves in the foot for after this because of of the amount of energy they've wasted already. So, not saying that they're not a good team. I just think France just had a bad game, and we saw the results. I mean, we saw the uh, the the outcome because of the stories that came out with the feud that's going on on the France team. It seems like there's no cohesion or um, uh, what's the word that like. Basically, they're not gelling well as a team uh, because oh, it's just true. a team full of stars. For 10 minutes in the middle of the game, they looked like they were gelling pretty nicely. They were vibing. The, they're offensive. Like, the Benzema's, uh, he got two goals, right? Yeah, well, one of them was on the line. But, like, the lead-up to both those goals, France's offense looked pretty sweet. But then, as we know, there's other things going on. Score. It feels looks sweet. You just have to score. Right? I mean, they got two goals. They got those two goals quick back to back, and they looked really good. And then I don't know. Then the air went out. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it last podcast. Um, I knew it was over for France when their best player, Usman Dembele, got hurt. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I think. I, so what I saw out there was. You can, and I think it's a great lesson too. Watching this French team, you can never stop playing until like the full 90 minutes are up. And I think France got a little too cocky, too confident, overconfident. Um, you could see it like when they went up, they were, you know, what was it like 3 1, right? Was uh, with what, like 20, right. 20 minutes, something like that left. Yeah, and the celebrations, man, like the, you know, <laughs> come on, man, like I, I Pog- mean, yeah, no. So Pogba, Pogba scored a really good goal, 
But I don't know. I, it, I don't know if it was good enough to have. He had three separate celebrations after it. He had. It, well, that's what I'm getting at. Is I think like you get. Yes, you score a world D Pogba. You you did it before as well. You've done it before, but you the job's not done. You know what I mean? Like the game's not over yet. And he was actually at fault for I think the second goal that they scored, where he uh, he lost possession in the middle in in the middle of the field, um, which led to a counter. Uh, Gravanovic, I think, is the name of the player that, that had just come on as a sub, scores the second one, and now all of a sudden, Pogba, like you look, at, like they replayed that 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 sequence, and Pogba is still on the ground, complaining about a foul, non-existent foul, because he lost the ball. It was it was a clean, you know, tackle, and now all of a sudden it's three-two, and like we've mentioned it before, football is a game of momentum, right? All of a sudden. Uh, by that time, I think Deschamps had already made some some subs as well. I think Benzema may have been off the field at that point as well, thinking, "All right, we got this in the bag. We're you know we're already good to go on to the next game." And yeah, there you go. Bad. Like Switzerland, you know, <laughs> didn't they, stop working. They, no, they didn't. And we've seen it time and time again. Like there, there's teams that have come from behind as well. Uh, I think kudos to Spain as well. The Spain Croatia game. It's not easy to come back down from a known goal, a huge mistake like that, especially from a really young player like Pedri and a, and a goalkeeper, like another goalkeeper error, you know, and they're at um, zero one all of a sudden with the Murata miss, right? Like two minutes right before that, like another tap in that he missed. It's, it's not easy to, to turn that around. Um, so kudos to them. And the last thing I'll say is K and Babu over Killian, over K Mbappe, all right? K Mbappe uh, was playing, I think he was uh, a makeshift, he's a defender uh, for Wolfsburg, but I think he was playing like, a, what was it, like right back or like right wing back? This guy, I mean, he's, he, if you talk about, Justin, you mentioned like they didn't stop running, this guy did not stop running the entire game. Offense, defense, he put in a hell of a shift and it paid off. I think uh, one of the goals came from uh, was it his uh, cross uh, for the for the third goal? The last, uh, uh, yeah, the, oh, the, the one at the towards the the last goal. Yeah, they scored. In, I think he, he had time. like an assist too. I mean, this guy was yeah. like had a hell of a game. And um, again, man, you know, it just goes to show you like you you got to play until until the whistle's blown. Yeah, we have some crazy momentum shifts in that. It, in multiple games in the round of 16, but this one, especially like, you know, let's not forget that, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez missed a, a penalty shortly before he missed a penalty. And then France scored those two goals back to back, both of them pretty nice goals with great lead ups and Mbappe and Benzema look like they're vibing. Then Pogba hits a worldy. Um, he has a three act play to yeah. celebrate. <laughs> and then, and it looks like it's you know it's in the bag it's dusted and then like like you said Manny it's the momentum shifts were like insane how suddenly Switzerland were able to get themselves back into it much to the exploits of man of the match Granit Xhaka who is having a hell of a tournament right in time to be get his price bumped up and make Roma pay more than they should for him oh, God. <laughs> he's having a great tournament though. I can't wait for, to see him in, in Syria so we can teach him how, how football is played. All right. He's going to do good well, there. I actually think he's going to do good in Syria. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, so with all that said, I'm here in Switzerland or Spain. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on here. I think I, I'm going with Spain. I, I think that's that's my 
final answer if I wait to, to answer. Spain with with Morata missing two tap ins but scoring another worldie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna yeah, just because you two are saying Spain, I, I'm I'm just gonna say Switzerland. Granit Xhaka, right. maestro in the midfield. Uh, he doesn't, you know, and you're saying everybody's gonna be tired. Xhaka almost never runs, so he's gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> and that will be the difference. All right, all right, all right. Last but not least, Belgium, Italy. Um, we not have... much to say about this game. It was eh. right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. We we got to start with Belgium. Belgium, Portugal. I think probably the one of the best games I've watched. You know, because there were too many stars playing against each other, and it was it was great to see. Um, I don't know where to even start with the Belgium Portugal game. All I know is that Kevin De Bruyne and Hazard are two notable players that came out of the game, which is going to be a, a, some, something that's going to be a struggle for Belgium. We still don't know if they're 100% out, but it looks like they're going to be out for the game against Italy. But is it was it fair for Portugal to, to be out? Did they, did they look like the worst team, or did Belgium just, just did just enough to get over the line and, and be in the game? Because to me, it looked like Portugal played the hell of a game. And we're just unlucky. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I don't know. I wasn't too impressed by Portugal. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that the, the, uh, who would have thought going into the round of 16 and looking at all the matchups on paper that this would have been one of the kind of stinkers of, of, of the round. You know, all, there's a lot of, like we said, a lot of crazy momentum shifts, a lot of really great high scoring games. And this one was kind of, um, I'll say, oh, well, okay. Biggest story for me was Portugal's physical play. And maybe some would argue borderline dirty play. I think that they were, and I think that that was perhaps what they, they took the field with that in mind. And then the referee did not help matters by being so reticent to call fouls and give out cards. Uh, Portugal, I think, definitely came out onto the field with the intent to bump and harass Belgium's best players in order to kind of throw them off their game. And it worked for most of the game, actually. And unfortunately, it also led to either directly or indirectly some, like you said, Bori, injuries to some key members of the squad. What did you, what, yeah, what impressed you about them? What, what impressed you about Portugal, Bori? No, I, I mean, I think Portugal uh, played the hell of a game because they were end-to-end Bernardo Silva, who was, for me, a shock. Um, how well he was playing. I think the problem here for Portugal was they took a, a long time to bring in Joe Felix and Andrew Silva, which I think they should have come in a little earlier. Um, but defensively, I think they did very well. Pepe, who even though he's very old and for some stupidly almost got himself sent off because he, I think he like I, I can't remember what play he tried like kick or something or whatever he yeah, did. Yeah, he should have been sent um, off. Diaz was very solid. Yeah, he should have been sent off. Diaz was very solid. I mean, uh, when you go, the, the only the only red red tape or, or, or bad egg, I would say, on, on Portugal's team is Palinha. How, such a horrible play. I mean, I've never heard of this guy, but he was playing the, the middle of the park and just, just playing trash, essentially. Uh, but I thought every Everyone else was great. I thought everyone, I, I mean, Renato Sanchez, even though I don't think he's a very complete player, but he did very well. He had a few fights, yeah. uh, not fights in the sense of fighting, but like he had a few good battles where he was able to go go through that midfield. I thought I thought 
Portugal. Actually, honestly, I, I didn't think Portugal was a good team, mainly because of the coach, but they they actually did very well, and I thought they actually deserved more to go through than Belgium. I think Belgium was lucky, but that's only because De Bruyne was out after, like, what, 48 minutes in the game, so can't can't really fault them for that. So, But to your point, I think Belgium... Belgium, I think Belgium are, are in trouble. I, I think they are in trouble oh, yeah. against Italy. Yeah. Uh, and, and let's move on to Italy because of that reason. Uh, I think Manny is very high on Italy, but if you looked at the Italy... Austria game, that was the red sign. That was the 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 sign everyone needed to t- say. Like Italy is actually not that team we think they are, right? I mean, Manny, I know you're disagreeing with me, but how how do you think they struggled, in my opinion, against Austria? And I don't know, even with a half Belgium team, I still don't, I can't give it to them 100%. Really? So I I I will agree with you. Um, I think again, this comes as um, as we've seen multiple times in this tournament, uh, certain teams that have come up against uh, that have won comfortably their groups, and then I'm looking at you know Netherlands for example, they won all three other matches, and then they lose you know when it matters. Uh, I think Italy was very close to that too. I don't know if it's just overconfidence and just underestimating the opponents and saying, okay, we won the first three. And again, we've talked about Italy. They were one of the teams that were coming into this tournament um, had been on like a crazy, like unbeaten run. I think it was like 30 plus games or something unbeaten. Um, but they were also very stingy as far as like they were not allowing goals nor they were were they actually scoring them as well and then this tournament comes in and they put three past turkey and then i think they're on average they're scoring like three goals a game as well they get to austria who we had all seen and we're like all right austria is not very good except for alaba and then that's, that's pretty much it that's who they have and i they they actually stifled them like for a good part of the the the, the match i could have gone either way Austria is actually the first, the only team thus far that has scored a goal on on Italy as well, um, and I think that there's a lot that's going to change going forward. Um, I think Mancini has certainly the depth and the quality as well um, on the bench to go ahead and and switch up the the formation. Um, I don't know if you know one of the things that I want to call out is I, I was very high on Verratti coming back. And incorporating and integrating into the team, but I got to say that even with Verratti, I feel like when watching Locatelli, for example, when he was in that midfield trio uh, well, with with Jorginho with Barella, there was something that I think he was maybe not up to speed. The chemistry is not necessarily there yet. Locatelli. Um, looked like a more fluid player. And I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say that I was one of the first ones to criticize and say Locatelli was not that good. Like, I didn't think that he was as good as uh, Verratti. But well, we got to... Uh, but we got... No, I, I'll admit it. But I... You know, you got to think, like, coming back... Players that come back from injury aren't always integrated very quickly. They don't, you know, they don't catch up to speed. Um, you had a perfect example with England, uh, Justin, where you said uh, Harry Maguire, for example... You know, and when you mentioned that, I was like, you're right. He does look like he often misses like the first pass or he uh, sees something very late. Like he's just like a fraction of a second 
behind something developing. And obviously, we know that a fraction of a second could be the difference between, you know, a through ball, an onside goal, VAR discounting something, not discounting something. So um, I, I'd like to see Locatelli come, come back in. And I actually am impressed by this uh, Federico Chiesa kid. Uh, I know you hate him, Bori. I know you want to punch him in the face. Well, I, I don't. I don't hate him. I, I, well, well, I yeah, I don't like him as a player because I think he dives a lot. But he, he he's a. I, I disagree with you. He's a great, fantastic player. But fantastic. He does. He does bring something that I think. I don't know if uh, the teams are discovering. Um, and we talked about Berardi in the first two games. Yes, he had like a few assists. I think he might have scored a goal as well. I'm not sure if they're discovering him and just shutting him down on uh, on the right side. But um, Chiesa coming in, uh, he just looked like you know completely different player. Like he offers completely different um, attacking profile to to Italy. Um, so that's what I think will happen. I think he might be integrated and what, he had a wonderful goal. I think like one of the best goals of the tournament as well in in this right. uh, in this game. And, and one 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 fact about Italy here, uh, apart from Immobile and, and Signe and and Bonucci, I don't think he actually played in the World Cup in 2014. These players have not played in like major competitions, so I think this is like their first. Like they're they're a very young team in that sense, right? They don't have that experience, so they're very young. They just all look part. very old, right? <laughs> well, no, no, young in the sense that experience, like like you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the problem here is this team does not have that experience, and I think that's what's going to hurt Italy, in my opinion. And I, I don't know. I just, just the game against Austria, they didn't score until the 95th minute in extra time. To me, it's a red flag. It is a red flag, and it's something that, like, I feel like even with a, a half Belgian team, meaning like with a KDB and Hazard out, Belgium they know how to get the, the work done. They know how to score the goal and, and protect it. That's the thing. Like, will will Italy be able to 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 score against them, or will they be able to defend against someone like Lukaku? That that is something that I'm skeptical of. And again, I don't know who's going to win. Honestly, like, if KDB is back, then I'll have more confidence. But I think right now, for me, it's a 50-50 between Italy and and. So um, let's say that KDB and Hazard are both out. Yeah, if they are, that's it's a 50-50. If 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 they're in, if KDB is in, it dramatically increases to a 70-30. But if Azad is in, it's a 90-90-10. Like it, those two players are, are very fundamental for them. So, but because they're not there, it's a toss-up in this, in my opinion. And and just really, I wouldn't have said this if they comfortably won against Austria. But because of the display they had against Austria, I think it's a 50-50 for me. Where is there? Where are they most vulnerable, Bori, in the game, coming up against the game against Belgium? Is it because they won't be able to score against Belgium's defense and against Kutuha? Or will they, is Lukaku going to just dominate the center backs? Where are they, yeah. more, where are they more, more vulnerable on the offensive if defense? Being, if I'm being defensively 100%. So Acherby actually played in the last game uh, because, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Chiellini is injured. I don't think Acherbi is a big game player. He plays for last year for a reason. Bonucci, also, he's not a defender. That's why he was benched a lot last season by Delete and Keely. Keely, of all people. No offense to him. Um, so defensively, they are. Now, this is where I want Manny to not chew me out. When we talk about the midfield, yes, we have Verratti, who's, who's good. But on a defensive level, like defending 
and this you know this is where KDB would, would have been nice to have. But Jorginho and Verratti, I think of them. I don't think of them as like really defensive people that can really hold, that can fight for the midfield again. Like they are very, I think they are constructive players going forward, and they can go around players and stuff. But defensively, I think they're not the best defensive midfield players. So my point of saying that is, I think defense is is the the problem here, and I think. If Chiesa started next game, they have a chance to go ahead. But if they don't start Chiesa, I think that's where the problem will come. Because Insigne plays only one way. He gets the ball, traps it on his left feet, on sometimes on, on the outside of his right foot, brings it to the right, and then tries to score. That's that's his game. Everyone knows his game. Immobile, uh, I think uh, at the world or Vertonghen can hold him. I'm not even worried about him. Berardi, same deal. He cuts to his left and tries to shoot or, or try to assist. Same deal. And, and Keza is the only one that's dynamic. And that is the problem with, with their forward line. But there's also the other side of this whole story. Belgium defensively are bad. Because they don't no, have they're not. Hold on a well, second. Both, both these teams have conceded but one goal all tournament. Both Belgium has right, only conceded right. a single goal as well to, to Denmark. That's a that's a good point. Yes, that is a good point. But I think with Adverald and um, uh, Vertonghen in the back, end, back line, I think it all, all takes a fast pace, which... I guess Italy doesn't even really have the necessarily the fastest of spaces in the forward line, so maybe maybe it doesn't matter in this case. So I think you're right. Bori, I think what Bori was referring to was like a geriatric competition on the back line. Yeah, no, it for, really is for both teams. That's what that's what he was referring to. Um, I have no idea what that means, but I'm, I'm gonna smile. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, I think you were thinking it was a competition of age and who's older. Who's got right. older players oh. on the on defense? Yeah. Um, which team? Which which which? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Manny. Then I'll ask my question. Oh, were you gonna say which team has older? Uh, no, no. I was <laughs> definitely Belgium. Definitely, definitely Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah. Got That's gonna ask a different question, but you go ahead first. <laughs> um, no, I, I I agree with Bori. I think like the one thing where um, where Italy uh, has their um, is fragile is that those players that you mentioned, Bori, are completely predictable. Like I said, like Berardi, they figured him out. Insignia, the same thing. Um, Immobile then drops too deep. And on the opposite side, Hazard and KDB are out. So you got Yuri Telemans, Thorgan Hazard, and God forbid, Ferreira Carrasco. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I the said this before the show. Was, was, that, was that the 20 worst minutes uh, a substitute has played in this tournament when he came on for an injured Hazard, Eden Hazard? He, he, was, ter- he was just terrible. He was terrible when he came on. I, it's, You're it's, right. hard, it's hard I love, to argue I with that. Carrasco. I love Carrasco, and I would not lie. There was a horrible time. I think he could have done more with like just releasing the ball at the right time. But I will give you one name, and the one name I want to see in for Belgium – even without KDB being on the field. And that name is Doku. I know people may not know him, but he's this fast-paced young player that can dribble. And I think that's the key to breaking down Italy's defense because they've only considered one goal in the whole tournament. And I think he will light up Di Lorenzo. I think so. I think he will. But uh, I will. I will, I don't I don't think, uh, what's his name, Bobby Martinez will, will do that. But I, I, I hope so. I hope he does. Yeah, it's an interesting shout. I, I would rather see him than Carrasco, for sure. Yeah. Right. You know what this means, right. though? It's going to be Ferreira Carrasco starting. 
Oh yeah, no for sure. <laughs> so so we, let's do we want to do predictions then on this match? Yeah, I mean, this so we, I think we, we got to get predictions on. Okay, so um, what I'll ask you both: like, who wins if KDB and Hazard are available in some capacity? Ninety percent to a ten. Like Belgium wins for me. Like it's not even a debate for me. Like like he will tear that midfield up because these players like De Bruyne knows how to pass between the lines. He he will he will get it done. I'm still sticking with 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 Italy. Wow. I'm still okay. sticking with Italy because I I, I have a feeling that uh, after the display. All everything that Bori mentioned, Chiesa is gonna, Mancini is gonna find a way to right start in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. What what about if? Because I, I think KDB is uh, more likely than Hazard. So let's say you have KDB but no Hazard. Okay, yeah. If it's KDB, just KDB, I think seventy percent more. I, I think still, I'm still giving it to Belgium because again, that's the thing. KDB and Lukaku, you can see like yeah, that yeah. partnership is very good and solid. Lukaku, uh, so, oh, I, I know. You know why? I, I know Manny. I know. You know why? Because we got cha- European champion winner Jorginho, who's already stopped KDB not once. That not was twice, in a diff- I know, but, but that's three in, times. It's about that. That's due to the system, though. One on one, there's no competition at, Jor- <laughs> between those Jor- two. But that's what helps, I think, uh, Italy too. Jorginho plays the same exact regista uh, system. You know, on on Italy as he does with. I, uh, I would just I will whisper this name Axel Witzel, right? Axel well, Witzel he, knows what to do. He was, but Axel Witzel was also one of the injured players, or coming off an injury, as well. Right. So. Well, but good point though. Good point. I think Jorginho is definitely a very important part. I don't know if Locatelli will be able to get into this team though. I know you mentioned him earlier. Um, I think. The game, so without KDB or Hazard, this is where I don't know what's going to happen. I think if that's the case, it's going to come down to a mistake in the back line. On either side. It it could happen on either side. I got a question for both of you. Sure. This game, it turns out to be a complete snooze pace. Zero, zero. Yeah. Zero, zero, full time. Zero, zero, extra time. Who wins in penalties? Is it who know. gets the who gets the better of 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 the other person, Courtois or Donnarumma? Which, which Donnarumma is not is not a good penalty shot, uh, stopper. Oh, oh, interesting. I don't I even mean, even I don't with know. like even with like all his length because they're both well, pretty big guys. They cover yeah. a lot Courtois, of. Courtois grass. is bigger, right? I thought uh, Donnarumma was like, tall. But he's like six six, right? He's he's a tall guy. But Donnarumma, yeah. I'm not sure how tall he is. I can count on one finger how many penalties he saved. That yeah, that that's that's what I'll say. Right? Yeah. If but it goes I don't to penalties, record also. I I think that scenario. I hope it doesn't. But that scenario you just laid out, Manny, it going to penalties it after is. a total snooze fest. I think that's that's highly likely. I six, think we may have six seven a mistake though. You got a six. Mistake. You got a, you got Courtois six foot seven, Donnarumma six foot five. Oh. Oh well, that there you go. Now we know who's gonna win. It'll be well. Well, I don't know. Courtois, I, I mean, man, you probably know more than I do. Courtois penalty saving record is it? Is it any good? Mm, it's At least not Chelsea. Wasn't Chelsea? I mean, it it it's decent, but I don't know about Donnarumma. But 
again, I, I think what I'm thinking of also is the PK takers because in Belgium, if Hazard and KDB are out, those are two that probably 99% of the time they're making their PKs. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You do have you do have um um Lukaku Insigne is not a good penalty taker. He I mean he's a he's not a ner- his nerves get to him and you, you could see that when he plays for Napoli. I Jorginho is a good penalty taker. Uh, I don't know about Verratti. I, I would assume he's a good penalty taker too, but he probably yeah. doesn't take much. So, so with that being said, I actually want to see this go to PKs. It would be just fascinating to see who's on the field, who lines up to take him, and which keeper ends up being no. the hero at the end of the seen, you don't want enough, to No, I've seen enough PK shootouts so far. I don't. I, I would prefer to see no more PK shootouts. No. It's going to be like a Manchester United-Villarreal uh, situation. All, yes. all players go. Oh, <laughs> oh, there you go. You're two. That would, I would like that just because it would be uh, Bori's enemy, Donnarumma, the traitor, and then Manny, uh, the snake, Katwala. Uh, <laughs> so that would be I'm, interesting, at least. I'm actually not going to lie, Bori. Courtois uh, is actually a, a pretty decent PK taker. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh. yeah. Surprisingly. He actually is decent. So, so yeah. I think I hopefully, um, if if Belgium advance and if it, especially if it comes by way of a goal by him, Lukaku is uh, steamrolling his way to be my player of the tournament so far. He's he's been a monster in my how opinion. How many how many uh, goals is he on? We, we can talk about it, but I don't think so. How many well, goals? we'll we'll see. I mean, I like three. He's got three, I think. But we got but it's it's also his his movement and just like. If when he receives right, the ball right. with his back to the goal, it doesn't make a difference whether he's at the edge of the 18 or at the mid, at you know half field. He's going to turn on you, and there's just nothing a defender can do about it. And I think, right, especially with his experience against Italy's backline, um, you know the Italian defenders. Given that he plays in Syria, I think it's going to be uh, perhaps lights out if if he gets one chance. Right, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think there's a different person I have in mind, but we, we can save that for next time. Right. Um, I know we're running low on time, so let, let's just move on to the next things that we have. Uh, just a call out. Uh, the Copa America quarterfinal is already happening. Brazil, Chile, and Argentina, Ecuador. I think it's safe to say e- Argentina is going to be Ecuador. I'm not so sure about Brazil and Chile. Um, Manny, I, I think I already told you before we even started recording that I think I mean, okay, I know Brazil, the last game they played, they played the second-string team, and they tied, and maybe that's why they tied. But I think the problem with Brazil is they have the same problem with France, where, like, there's just too many good players, they don't know what to do with them. And I think that's going to be the situation here. Although Brazil has looked good in this tournament, no doubt. They've looked very, very good. I just think I, I'm just smelling an upset here. And, and I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I just that's my feeling. I don't that's know a, what thoughts you have. Man. No, that's a very good analysis. I, I was going to say Br- Br- Brazil is the France of South America. You you hit the nail on the head. Um, there's a lot of star players, a lot of egos, um, uh, new integrations into the team as well, um, new faces. Um, we saw how that went for, uh, for France. But um, the one thing that Brazil has going for it is that they are the quote-unquote home team after Argentina, right. let's remind everyone, after Argentina came to its senses and said, there's no way you guys are holding an international football tournament in the middle of a pandemic in our country. 
So you guys take that elsewhere. To which Brazil's president said, what pandemic? There's no such thing as COVID. You guys can host it here. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you yeah. got to forget that the, that the home, even though there's nobody in the stands, they, they, they have stuck by that. Um, there are no you know, fans allowed. Um, I'm not sure if they will be allowing any fans actually for the quarters or semis going forward. Um, but so far for the group stages, there have been no fans, but they're still at home. Brazil doesn't have to travel. Brazil is familiar with its surroundings, with the stadiums that they've played in. And let's be honest, when more often than not, when a, when a team is playing at home, they tend to get more often than not calls by the refs. And we've seen it in this tournament already. Neymar is going to Neymar. You know, he's going to get those calls that, more, you know, normally you'd say, well, that's not that's a dive. That shouldn't even be a foul. But, some, but you know what? That's all it takes for Brazil because they have so many weapons, so many players that can change the game quickly that, you know, they're, they're, you got to give them, like, the advantage, even with Chile playing really well. And Chile are, like, some the, – the way that I can describe them is just some dogs, man. Those guys are nitty-gritty. Like, they get rough. They get dirty. I mean, you have uh, Vargas. You have um, uh, Gary Medell's Gary nickname. Gary Medell Vidal. Right. Gary Medell's nickname is the pit bull for, for a reason. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that guy yep. will give it his all. So it will be a very good game, but I still give the edge to Brazil because they're at home. They're the favorites. And um, everyone's already counting on a Brazil-Argentina final. So, Yeah, yeah. Which, which brings us to our next conversation about Messi um, and the fact that Justin wants to really, really talk about his contracts being over and how any player can sign him. Apparently, Barcelona cannot sell a jersey with his name on it. Um, yeah. Officially, officially, which is which is crazy to hear. Uh, but Justin, do you want to do you want to say a few things about Messi and, and his contracts? Is he signed signed for Arsenal? I, I saw I saw a graphic. <laughs> I did see a graphic of of him in an Arsenal jersey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's in my my dreams. Um, I see that all the time. But he, uh, I mean, like, okay, there's not much to be said because there's not a lot of news. It's I just wanted to call it out because it is super curious for it to happen. I think for any player to who is allegedly being pursued by his club, like you know, they are they've expressed like, oh, we want to resign them for any player to have that contract run out after their club said that we're trying to resign them. And then the club of really thinking that that player is going to resign with them after they became a free agent. I don't know Like that seems unprecedented, especially when it's like your greatest of all time player, Lionel Messi. Like if we've had months since the elections for their new president it's been a year since he said, like, oh, I wanted to leave and then backtracked. And they still haven't worked out a contract. And yet everybody's still reporting it as if it's a done deal that he's going to come back to Barcelona. And he probably will. But I just think it's super curious that here for the first time in, I want to say, I think it's 20 years, Lionel Messi is not a Barcelona player. And that's crazy to me. No matter where, even if he does wind up uh, re-signing, that's that's pretty remarkable that for right now we're living in a post Barcelona era for Messi. Yeah, it is. And I, I hope 
we don't see the end of it. Um, I hope he keeps playing in in Italy or in, in Europe, especially in Italy with a team called Milan. Uh, okay. But that's it. That's all we have today. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next week for the semifinals of the Euros. Bye bye.